Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, as you know, we've been looking at this series during the Christmas season so far, the past few weeks, called The Gifts of Christmas. And today we're continuing that and looking at the idea of God's abundance to us. Now, as we think about abundance, this time of year specifically, or maybe even this weekend, maybe you were thinking, boy, I would love to have an abundance of snow. Or maybe you're more like me, where I was thinking, I sure would like to have an abundance of sunshine. Either way, uh, we got an abundance of both, I think, today and, and this week. But, uh, but as we think about Christmas, as we move into Christmas season, uh, a lot of times the thought process, especially for our children, is to have an abundance of gifts. Amen? And what we're thinking as parents is we think about the abundance of bills that we're going to have to pay. Or maybe it's the abundance of food that needs to be prepared. Whatever the case may be, we think about abundance as we come to the Christmas season. But as we've said already in these past couple of weeks, is that Jesus is the gift of Christmas. Amen? He is the gift. But through Him, because He came... We have certain privileges, and last week we saw God's access uh, for us, and today it's God's abundance to us. So we're looking at this God's abundance to us as believers. And some might say, okay, pastor, that sounds good. So that means that as a believer, I get more stuff. So as a believer, if I live right and I please Him, He will bless me with all that I want, right? Wrong. That's not the case at all. No. Matter of fact. even cannot be found on Pinterest. I know that's a shock. No, the abundance that we have as believers is because of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at what that is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. So, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read that passage of Scripture for us. May God have His way in the reading of His Word in our hearts and lives today. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and following. Peter writes to the church, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of our souls. Let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, and we pray that you would speak to us through it. Lord, as we dive into this passage of Scripture, we pray that your word would not return unto you void. But indeed, Father, I pray that your spirit would find tender hearts, and I pray that you would make our hearts vulnerable to what we need to hear and what we need to understand, that, Lord, we would walk away from here today having sensed that you have worked in our own hearts and in our own lives to, to remind us afresh and anew of that which we have through Jesus Christ and helping us, Father, to live that out daily even in the midst of a hectic season. And Father, I pray especially for those today who may not know you as Savior, that this would be the time to remember of the mercy that you have shown to us through your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, may you use me as your instrument now. I pray that the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as you see the outline, it is in the bulletin today for you again, as always, but this time I did give you the main points, so you have a little less writing to do uh, today, so I hope that makes you happy. But we still have a few lines to fill in as we move along, so you can sort of see in the outline what we're talking about here. I don't want you to miss the point of what this abundance is. It's not abundant money and abundant things, but rather we have abundant mercy, abundant hope, and abundant joy through Jesus Christ. And we're going to sort of dig into that passage of Scripture and see those here this morning. And the first thing we see that we have because Jesus came is that we have this abundant mercy. Amen? We have an abundant mercy. We see in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope. So we see here, first off, looking at what Peter is writing to this church. A church, by the way, we'll mention in a minute, in just a few minutes, about how this church is going through some persecution. But he says, as he starts the letter, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the Greek, the word be is not there. So really, he's saying, Bless God, the Father and, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless God for what he has done. Bless God at what we have in Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, I am worshiping God for what he has done through our Savior, his Son, Jesus Christ, and you need to do the same thing, worshiping him. So what is it that he's done then as he begins this letter? What he's done is he tells us here, he has begotten us again, meaning he has caused us to be born again. This is what God the Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has done for us. He has caused us to be born again. Those of us who trusted Him by faith, He has caused us to be born again. He has given us a new start, a new life. We are born again because of Jesus Christ. So He says, bless God, because He has caused us to be born again. But then we also see in that passage, what is it? we ask, what is it that motivated God to do this for us? And we find it just between where He says, bless God the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and has begotten us again in the middle there, according to his abundant mercy. So what is it that motivated God to do this for us, to cause us to be born again? It's all because of his abundant mercy toward us. The word abundant means much or great. His great mercy, his mercies that are much, that are many. Mercy means, rather mercy focuses on our miserable or our pitiful condition. His abundant mercy, then, is the motive that is spelled out here that was behind God's granting believers eternal life. That's what Peter is talking about here, is this abundant mercy that we have because of who Jesus is, what he's done for us. But also we find that it's in Titus chapter, two, chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, where we find these words. He says, For we ourselves 
were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his what? His mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So what we find in this passage of Scripture today and, and in that in Titus is that Jesus came because of God's abundant mercy toward us. We know that he has saved us because of his mercy and he has saved us by his grace. So aren't they the same? No, they're not. Mercy and grace are not the same. You see, mercy does, this is what mercy is. Mercy does not give us what we do deserve. Grace gives us what we do not deserve. Mercy is deliverance from judgment. Grace is extending, extending kindness to the unworthy. Mercy recognizes our miserable condition, whereas grace deals with our guilt. And so what we find in this passage that Peter is talking about is that God has been merciful to us. He has, he has given us abundant mercy toward us. Because he saw us in our pitiful condition. Because of our sinful state, God had mercy upon us because we're pitiful. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, that mean, what I mean by that is that we were lost and we could not find our way. We were blind and we could not see. We were wretched and we rebelled against God. We were deceitful and we even lied to ourselves. We were helpless, and we could not change. We were slaves to sin, and we could not be freed. We were headed for hell, and we had no hope. We were dead in our trespasses and in our sins, and we could not give ourselves life. We were condemned, and beloved, we deserved it. We deserve hell. You see, we deserve hell, we deserve death, we deserve being separated from God forever. But... Don't you love that there's a but right there? But God, because of his abundant mercy toward us, sent Jesus Christ for us. As we trust him by faith, listen, he does not give us what we deserve, but instead God sent his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. He came in our lostness and he showed us the way. He came in our blindness, beloved, and he gave us sight. He came when we were wretched, and he changed our hearts. He came in our deceitfulness, and he showed us the truth. He came in our helplessness, and he lifted us up. He came when we were slaves to sin, and he delivered us from bondage. He came as we were headed for hell, and he gave us the hope of heaven. He came when we were dead and, and trespasses and sins, and he raised us to new life. He came in our condemnation, and he has made us to be right with holy God. It's his abundant mercy toward us, amen? That's his abundant mercy. Oh, what abundant mercy that is for us. He saw our pitiful condition, and he came to save us. Jesus, my beloved, is the gift of Christmas. And because he came, and in his coming, God has shown his abundant mercy to us. And because of his abundant mercy as we accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of our lives, then secondly we find 
that not only we have abundant mercy, but we also, because of his mercy, we now have abundant hope. We have abundant hope as believers in Jesus. Amen? Come on now. We have abundant hope because of his mercy toward us. You know, the world places its hope in the wrong things all the time, and it constantly leaves people empty. There is no satisfaction in what the world offers where people are placing their hope today. You know, I was thinking uh, about something I'd heard one time. Some of you may have heard of the old uh, TV show, I don't think it's still on the air, on PBS, called Antiques Roadshow. The Antiques Roadshow was a time when people would take their junk, I mean their treasure from the attic, <laughs> to these people who were appraisers, and they were hoping beyond all hope that maybe what they'd found in their attic or that thing which they'd bought at a yard sale was really worth a lot of money, even though they paid a little bit. Mike Huckabee was given a report one time, and he said, he said this. He said, everyone goes to Antiques Roadshow hoping to have found a treasure in the attic, but nobody expects what happened to a collector in Britain. This, this collector in Britain paid $1,600 for a rare antique bottle and proudly then brought it to the glassware experts at Antiques Roadshow for them to appraise what he had. They had to unfortunately break him the bad news that what he had there was not a, a rarity or an antique bottle, but was an olive oil bottle made by Tesco supermarkets in around 2008. Its value was zero. So the producer said that it would have Amen. The hope we have in him is invaluable. And so what we see here is there are three things in this passage of Scripture that tells us about this abundant hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And the first thing that we find in that passage of Scripture in verse 3 is that we have a living hope. He tells us there in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, caused us to be born again, to a living hope. Peter is saying to the church, look, we don't have just any kind of hope. We have a hope that is alive. We have a hope as believers that is living. Well, how can you say that? Well, he mentioned how it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, the hope that we have today as believers is living because Jesus lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That's how the old song goes, right? We have a living hope. Through Jesus Christ, we have life. It is a living hope. It's life that is now, and it's life that is forever. It is eternal life. You see, the unbelieving world knows only dying hopes. But believers in Jesus have a living, undying hope that we have now, and it will also come to a complete, final, and glorious fulfillment one day. Now, as Peter is writing this letter to the church, you need to understand that the church here, as Peter is writing this letter, they are enduring some severe, severe, uh, difficult persecution. They're experiencing persecution and the real possibility of them being put to death because of their faith. And so what Peter is saying to them and reminding them, in, just even in the beginning part of this letter, is to tell them that they need to understand that they have a hope a living hope that is not dead, but a hope that is living because Jesus lives. No matter what it is that you're facing in your life, you need to always remember as believers that we have this hope that lives. We have a living hope. 
And so for them and for us today, we understand that this hope is a living hope, that it is a real hope, that it is a sure hope, that it's an alive hope, it's a present hope, it's a future hope. It is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It is an abundant hope that we have because Jesus rose bodily from the grave. It's a living hope. But not only is it a living hope, it is also a lasting hope. You see, friends, when we know Jesus Christ as Savior, we have eternal life. We have eternal life. Eternal. And by the way, eternal means forever. Right? Eternal means forever. And so it began, this eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ, it began at the moment when we said yes to Jesus. But the moment that we accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, and it continues on through all of eternity. And the Bible here tells us about this lasting hope in verse 4, where it says, talking about through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. You see, friends, the hope that we have in Jesus is a lasting hope. This hope that we have in Jesus, well, it never ends. This hope that we have in Jesus, it lasts for all of eternity. It is now ours now and is ours for all of eternity. It's our inheritance, an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away. It is our inheritance as God's children that we have this lasting hope, an inheritance that is both now and forever. There's some commentators that think that Peter might be talking about the, that which we have right now. And others think, well, no, he's talking about the inheritance that we have that is in heaven. I think it could be both, but I do think specifically that Peter is probably more likely talking about the inheritance that we have that is in heaven. But either way, this is what we need to understand about the hope that we have in Jesus, is that our hope never degrades. Our hope never gets old, and our hope never quits because Jesus lives. Amen? It's a lasting hope. Peter here says that this inheritance in heaven is incorruptible. That means it's imperishable. No army can come against it. No enemy can overcome it. This is a solid, secure, imperishable, never perishing hope that we have in heaven. It's not able to be destroyed. It is untouched by death. It's death proof. It's not going to die. We have this hope forever. Not only that, it says that this hope is undefiled. This hope of heaven that we have. The heaven, heaven as we think about it is a place that is undefiled. Now, you know, it's hard for us to imagine a world that is undefiled by sin. We live in a world that is defiled by sin. And so it's hard for us to imagine a world without locks, right? A world without alarms. A world without, that has cities where keys are no longer necessary. Have mercy. Can you imagine such a place? A place where theft is obsolete, where there are no jails because no one's done anything wrong. Can you imagine such a place where there's no sin, no transgression, nothing done wrong to each other, no pride that I'm better than you, none of that, nothing at all. It's so unlike our world as we know it today. It is a place that is undefiled, Peter said. This place, this hope that we have in this inheritance that's ours in heaven, it's a place that's undefiled where it's not polluted. It is completely flawless, and it is perfect. Never spoils, never decays. It's unstained by evil. It's sin-proof. 
Not only does he say that it's incorruptible, undefiled, but it's unfading. It's unfading. <clears throat> you know, as the older I get, I understand that, that we all fade. <clears throat> Our bodies begin to fade after a period of time. We don't always look great and feel great. We don't always run up the steps with gusto. There are times when we begin to fade. Amen? Come on, don't let me stand up here by myself on this one, all right? <clears throat> I remember I was, I may have told you this before, but I remember I was uh, in the car with my girls and I was grab, grabbing hold to the steering wheel and they looked at me and they said, Daddy, you're getting old. Look at your hands, they're so wrinkled. So there's a stoplight right up here. And I'm going to stop and you're going to get out and walk. I don't need any of that. Amen. But you know what? The truth is, the truth is that we, our bodies fade. Amen. And they don't stay magnificent all the time. If they ever were. Glory to God. But here's the truth. Is that our hope, the inheritance that we have in heaven, will never lose its magnificence. It never loses. It never decays. It never fades away. You know, maybe you've been to Hawaii or some great place, and uh, you go and you see it as glorious and majestic, and ooh, you, just, you just glory in it. And then you go back maybe 20 years, and you take your children or your grandchildren with you, you go back, and, and they see it, and they say, whoa, this is so lovely, so pretty. And you say, yes, but you should have seen it 20 years ago, Right? Because there are certain things that we think, well, they just not quite what it used to be. Well, beloved, let me tell you something. Heaven's been around a long time. It's going to be around a long time, and it's not going to lose its magnificence. Amen? As we go, we don't have to worry about how glorious it, it used to be. It's still just as glorious. It's unfading, unimpaired by time. So we have this living hope, this abundant hope that's ours as believers, this hope of heaven, the hope that we have today, the hope that we have forever. It's a living hope, it's a lasting hope, but also it's a locked hope. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean by locked means it's secure. We have a hope that is secure. It's a secure hope. So if you look at the rest of verse 4 and into verse 5, it says, It does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So it's, this, this, this hope of heaven... This inheritance that is ours, well, it's a believer. It's reserved in heaven for you. If, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, friends, there's a place in heaven that is reserved with your name on it. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's reserved in heaven for you. The word there, reserved, means to guard or to be guarded, to watch over. It means it's, here it tells us it's already existing and it's being preserved for us. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 14 and verses 1 through 3, when he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Watch this. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you to myself, and that where I am, there you may be also. That place is reserved for us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is reserved in heaven for you. It is a hope that you have that is secure. Now, don't you think this was important for the people of the church in that day to hear this? Because of what they were facing by way of their persecution? To know that their hope was living and that their hope was lasting, nothing's going to change, and that it is locked, it is secure. 
It's reserved for them. They can face life, face the persecution, because they have this hope. And beloved, we need to hear the same thing today. Amen? We still have this hope. It is secure. Because Jesus came, I have this abundant hope. It's a hope that lives. It's a hope that lasts. It's a hope that's reserved for me, secure for me as his child. I know, wouldn't it be terrible if you had driven a long distance and you walk into the hotel where you had made reservations. You walk up to the desk and, and you say to the person behind the counter, I have reservations here uh, for tonight. And they look in their computer and they squint their face and mm, I don't see anything here. Man, your heart just would sink, right? We don't have a reservation for you. Or maybe you're going out to eat with your family. You're taking a lot of folks with you. You've decided this is the time to go out to a nice restaurant. And so you've called ahead. You made your reservations. You walk into this very busy place. And you walk in. And the person there standing at the desk, I've got reservations for about seven or eight people tonight. And they say, okay, what's your name? You tell them your name. You look through. You're not on the list. Boy, well, that would just hurt, wouldn't it? Well, beloved, let me tell you something. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there is a place reserved in heaven for you. Amen? You're not going to get there and say, you know, mm, there's no place here. But I know Jesus Christ, Lord and my Savior. Well, we're full. That's not going to happen. Amen? That's not going to happen because we know Christ as Lord and Savior. There's an inheritance that is reserved for us. Amen? Also, it tells us here, it's kept by the power of God. So, how secure is this hope that we have that's a locked hope, a secure hope? It tells us it's kept by the power of God, by God's power. We have this. It's shielded by God's power. We, listen, we are eternally secure in Christ Jesus. We are secure in Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 10, verse 27 and following, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and watch this, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me and is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. You see, friends, it is kept by the power of God. Amen? Not only that, but it says he's ready to be revealed. In other words, the inheritance is already waiting. It's prepared for us, but also it's not fully complete yet. But it will be at the last episode in history when all things are made new, a new heaven and a new earth. You see, friends, we enjoy God's abundant hope for us because of his abundant mercy, but also as believers, we also have, thirdly, abundant joy. So because we have this abundant mercy that God sent his son Jesus, Jesus came to save us from our sins and our pitiful condition. Because Jesus came and saved us, and he lives, it gives us a hope, an abundant hope that's living, that's lasting, and that is locked. Because we have that, then we have this abundant joy. So you might be asking, okay, as I'm sitting here thinking about all the different things that I've got to do, I've got still quite a few people on my Christmas list to buy for. Maybe I haven't even started yet. I'm there. Whatever the case may be. You may be thinking, how can I have joy in the midst of all the craziness of life? How can I have joy in the midst of Walmart? How can I have joy in the midst of the mall? How can I have joy when I'm sitting in traffic on Temple Avenue when cars barking their horns, amen? 
How can I have joy in the midst of this? I mean, after all, I've got gifts to buy. I've got errands to run. I've got houses to clean. I've got yards to manage. I've got bills to pay. I've got activities to attend. How can or even can I have joy? And the answer is, oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. And verse 8, and amen, verse 8 tells us. Verse 8 tells us, look what it tells us there. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, watch this, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I love that verse. This tells us that as believers in Jesus Christ, we have joy. But not only do we have joy, it is a joy that is inexpressible. It is such a joy that we cannot even begin to try to articulate the joy that we have. It is beyond the speech. It is higher than speech. It is beyond the reach of speech and expression. It is a joy that is inexpressible, but also it is a joy that is full of glory. It's a glorious joy, a joy that renders its highest praise and worship toward God. You see, friends, salvation joy... Understand this, salvation joy is not some brief, shallow, circumstantial emotion, but rather it is something permanent and it is profound. You see, the joy that we have in Jesus is real. Amen? You cannot fake joy. You cannot fake joy. Joy is in deep within. It's a deep body joy. So our salvation, our salvation that we have in Jesus Christ brings abundant joy. Y'all joyful this morning? All right, we're just, we're going to see. All right, we're going to move along here. Salvation and joy go together. When you know Jesus Christ as Savior, there's joy that comes from that. When you think about one of the most treasured chapters in the Gospels is Luke chapter 15, and there Jesus is telling some parables that it's hard to forget. He tells the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And each one of those parables represents salvation. Each portrays a lost soul that's been forgiven and that's been reconciled to God. And each parable all concludes with a great celebration of tremendous joy at the recovery of that which was lost, illustrating how heaven responds when people get saved. Amen? So what we find from that is that genuine salvation and true joy, well, they belong together. And they're not limited, however, to the heavenly inhabitants, but the joy also belongs to us who know this Jesus as Savior. And so this true abundant joy is ours. And here's how we know or how we have this joy. Number one, it flows from hope. It flows from this hope. We've just heard Peter talk about how he praises the Lord for this abundant mercy and how we have this abundant hope. And now he says in verse 6, he says, In this you greatly rejoice. The in this points back to the hope that he just was talking about. In this, this hope. So this, this gives us the abundant joy flows from this hope that we have. The joy that we have as believers flows from hope. The hope that stems from Christ's resurrection, the living hope. The lasting hope, the hope that's ours now and forever, and the locked hope that's secured, guaranteed eternal inheritance. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. In this hope, it flows from this hope, you greatly rejoice. This greatly rejoicing is an expressive term that means to be supremely, abundantly, deeply happy. 
It's a happiness that's not provisional or based on circumstances or superficial feelings, but rather, as I said, it is a deep, abiding joy. It's in the present tense here, which means that it is a continual joy and happiness because of the hope we have never ends. Our joy never ends either. Amen? We have this hope. It is flowing from hope. This joy flows from hope. Secondly, joy flows from hope and it is filled with faith. Joy is filled with faith. The joy we have flows from the hope that we have in Jesus, knowing that this is not all there is, that there is more to come and he is still on the throne, that he's living, but also it's filled with faith. Because here's the thing. If we're honest, it is not always easy to have joy as you go through life. Come on now. It's not always easy to have joy as you face the trials of life in which we face sometimes. Nobody likes to be disciplined. Nobody likes to, to, to feel uh, a sense of God's working in our hearts trying to refine and change us. It's not, not always easy. But understand that this is what Peter is conveying to the church, again, as they are facing such great persecution. That as you go through these trials, abundant joy, to have abundant joy, you have that joy as you are filled with faith. There must be faith. We have this hope, but we're going to go through life and we've got to have faith. And so we, and he's saying, look, you continue to trust the Lord no matter what is happening in your life. Look at verses 6 and 7. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, pointing back to the hope, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he is saying, look, there's going to be trials in which we face. He says, for a little while, if you've been grieved by various trials. Grieved means harassed. It's a military term. means harassed. You've been harassed. Remember that this church that he's speaking to, they had endured great persecution. All various trials means all varieties of trials. And it's during this time that they're enduring the awful persecution of Nero. Now, when we think about persecution, or rather, when we think about trials in which we're facing today, we think, we think about Okay, well, I tried to share my faith with somebody. I tried to speak uh, truth, and uh, they've unfriended me on Facebook. I'm dealing with this trial. All right? Or maybe is, I tried to talk to somebody, I tried to be nice to them, but they just blew me off, and, and they're not nice to me anymore, so I'm dealing with that trial. Okay? I understand, friends, that's not, well, these are trials, indeed, that we feel certain ways, but we have to put it all in perspective here as to what's happening, all right? Understand that as Peter is writing to this church, they are facing real trials, okay? Nero was wicked. It was horrible toward Christians, even so that Christians were wrapped in freshly slaughtered animal skins and fed to wild animals and dogs, even so, that what he would do to Christians is he would dip them in pitch or tar and set them on fire as torches to light up his gardens at night. And so it's in the midst of this that these, this church knows what's happening to themselves as Christians. And Peter speaks as inspired by the Holy Spirit and says, Look, 
No matter what we're facing, we have been saved by the mercy of God, and we have this abundant hope that we know there's a better day coming, and even in the midst of that, all that we're facing, we still have faith in Jesus. I'm going to have this joy, and I can have this joy because I'm filled with faith. So how do you have faith? Or rather, how do you have joy in the midst of that? By having the faith in Jesus, realizing that he says here, for though, though now for a little while. In other words, you endure because you know that this is not all there is. And this will not last forever. And so what we find here is that we know that these trials are temporary. They're brief in light of eternity. As a matter of fact, Paul says it this way. He says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He also says in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For watch this, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, the things we're dealing with today, well, they are temporary. But the things which are not seen... Well, beloved, those things are eternal. Amen? And that's what we understand here. And so we keep in mind as we, as we have abundant joy, even in the midst of trials, is to know that trials are refining our faith. And when we come through trials, they do not diminish our joy, but they actually have the potential to produce in us triumphant joy. Since we have come through and the experience has validated our Christian walk, our Christian faith. Warren Wiersbe says this, he talks about trials and faith. He says, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Wow. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. And a person, watch this, a person who abandons his or her faith when the going gets tough is only proving that he or she really had no faith at all. So, beloved, listen, while we may not understand it all now, Ultimately, as we go through the trials, we know that it is for the praise, honor, and the glory of Jesus when we see him. So we have this hope because of the mercy. Because of that hope, we have joy. And even in the midst of trials, we are to be filled with faith, which helps us to continue to have that joy as well. Abundant joy flows from hope and is filled with faith. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, Little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Amen? Boy, that'll preach right there. Amen? That's good stuff. So this abundant joy flows from hope. It's filled with faith. And then third and finally, it's fueled by love. Look at verses 8 and 9. He just finished talking about to the praise, honor, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter says, look, even though you haven't seen him, but Peter has. Remember, Peter has seen him. Even though you haven't seen him, you love him. Peter loves him. Peter's seen him. But even though you haven't seen him, you love him. 
You have a personal relationship with him. This joy that is inexpressible is fueled by that love for him. You see, believing in Jesus and loving Jesus go hand in hand. Amen? Believing in Jesus and loving Jesus go hand in hand. Why? Because of his abundant mercy that he has shown us, which gave us abundant hope, which gives us abundant joy. To believe in Jesus is to love him. And to love him is to believe in him. And the more, listen, the more we love him, the more we will exhibit joy. Because, my friends, this Jesus brings joy. Amen? This Jesus brings joy. We remember what the angels said to the shepherds the night that Jesus was born. In Luke 2, verses 10 and following. The angel said to those shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Great joy. This Jesus brings joy. Amen? How about you, friend? Do you have that joy? Do you have abundant joy? Is it apparent when other people see you that you have the joy of Jesus? Or does it look like you've been sucking on lemons for a couple of days? I mean, that's just an honest question, right? Do you have the joy of Jesus? Because, listen, it flows from hope, it's filled with faith, and it's fueled by our love for Jesus Christ. Now let's unwrap this. Let's unwrap the gift of Christmas today. What do we need to take away from this? And we know what we have in Jesus Christ because of his abundant mercy. We have abundant hope, which then flows right into abundant joy for us. So how, what do you do with that? Well, here's a couple things. Number one, do not despair, but have hope. Beloved, there is a lot of despair in our world today. And we have a message of hope to let people know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. That this is not all that there is, and that there is a better day for those who know Christ as Savior, and that He changes our lives today. Amen? He changes us. Our hope is found in Him, so do not despair. But it only comes, this hope only comes from having a relationship with Jesus. Because of the abundant mercy of God, we can be saved. And if you're here today, and you don't know this Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, it's a simple step of faith. Well, we know that we're sinners in need of a Savior. The Bible tells us that nobody's perfect, that we're all sinners. We all have sinned against God for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But that also that we are to turn from that sin in repentance, in humble repentance, turning from our sin and turning to Jesus Christ who is calling out to us and saying yes to him. Yes, Lord, I'm sorry for how I failed you and I need you to save me. And we embrace, all in the same step, we're embracing, believing with all of our heart that this Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave. And we profess Him as the Lord of our life. It's a simple step of faith. If you've never taken that step of faith, we encourage you today, before it's too late, to say yes to Jesus and come and find hope in Him. But if you already know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, here's the second thing we need to unwrap. And it's this, be joyful. 
Be joyful in the journey with Jesus. I stole this next little saying from somewhere a long time ago, and I'm going to share it with you today, so you're welcome to steal it too, okay? And it's this. With heaven in your soul, wear heaven on your face. Amen? With heaven in your soul, wear heaven on your face. Let it show the world around you, friends, that you belong to Jesus. Let it show in your face and let it show in your life. Amen? One more quick thing. Jack Graham tweeted something this week. was perfect for, to close this out. And this is what he said. You can apply this wherever you need to apply this in your life. All right? Here it goes. He said, some people bring happiness when they walk into the room. Others, when they leave the room. <laughs> Beloved, go light your world with the joy of Jesus. Amen? Live it out that the world may see that Jesus is real to you and he lives in your life and is real. We have abundant mercy. We have abundant hope. We have abundant joy. Now live it. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives. We come to this time of invitation. We pray, Father, that there are those here today who feel your calling upon their lives, that they need to say yes to Jesus, to have this hope, to trust you as the Lord and Savior of their lives. We pray that at this moment, as we get ready to sing, that as we sing, they'll come and speak to either Pastor Joe or myself, and we can just pray with them as they invite Christ to be the Lord of their lives. We pray all over this building, Lord, that you're working in our hearts. But also, Father, we're praying for those of us who know you as Savior, maybe have already gotten caught up in the hectic busyness of life and we've lost our focus. Indeed, maybe we're going through some trials and going through difficulties in life and seem to have lost our way. But Lord, you have reminded us today of your abundant mercy, of your abundant hope, and your abundant joy. Help us, Father, to recommit our lives to you, to surrender to you in faith, trusting you, and to live it out each and every moment. Lord, we pray for your guidance as we come to this invitation, as you call people to make decisions of commitment, either speaking to Pastor Joe and myself or just praying here at the altar. Lord, may you have your way all over this place as we yield our time, yield our lives, yield our hearts to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. As we do, you come as God's dealt with your heart. And we'll be here to pray with you.